Good morning. Hope you're doing well this morning. Welcome to Hilton Head Island Community Church. I'm Todd, and uh, I'm the pastor, and you are officially the last service to meet in this room here. And uh, yeah, all right. I guess that's something to cheer about, isn't it? Uh, I don't know about you, the, the thing that I'm going to miss about this room, and I'll talk about in a moment what I won't miss, but I'm going to miss that right there. Isn't that great? So uh, it's a great distraction when I get really boring for you guys to look out and see what wildlife's going on out there or who's fishing uh, out there. Sometimes we get that. And uh, so we're really going to miss this room. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's interesting here in this room. We've got, you know, it's, I think it's kind of ironic that today is like the hottest Sunday in like five years. And uh, here we are. We've got this great air conditioner that's just pumping out crisp, cool, 85-degree air. And... Um, <laughs> You know, we've got the low ceiling, and the lights get hot, and um, hey, by the way, this room is like really hard to control the sound, and I think Brian Philpot and Bobby Beck and all the guys do a great job. Let's give them a round of applause. They do a fantastic job, and uh, I'm sure it'll be perfect the day we move into the new place. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody go up and complain the first day, okay? All right, give them a break. Um, but, you know, I got thinking about this room, and here we are, you know, on our last service here. And um, we've had dozens of people accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior right here in this room. Dozens more make decisions of various and sundry decisions for Christ. Um, you know, big-time life change has happened because of this room. And um, I don't know about you, I I'm thankful for this room. I'm thankful for what God has done. Over, it was, uh, it was uh, June the 15th, 2008, that we had our first service in here. And uh, I think we had like 170 people in here, and the next week we had like 60. So uh, anyway, it was, it was real encouraging for me. Um, <laughs> but uh, God has been so faithful, and uh, he, has, he has been so faithful, and he's been so gracious. And uh, as tight as it is, as low of a ceiling as this is, you know, I'm short, so that doesn't bother me. But I know for some of you, it, it bothers you. Um, God has, has done amazing things because of this room. And I'm thankful to Pastor Jeff, who uh, before we were Hilton Head Island Community Church, we were uh, a part of Low Country Community Church Hilton Head. And Pastor Jeff and the elders sat down on this front row. Um, these chairs weren't here, and it didn't look like this, I promise you. There was a big glass room right here, and there were stuff hanging out of the ceiling. And uh, we prayed, and immediately they voted to go out into the unknown and put a three-year lease on this uh, room and this building. And uh, I remember the day that Cynthia found this room. I had looked at 60 different places, and I was kind of fed up with it, you know, during the fall of 2007. And it was January, and we were looking for a new house to rent. And she goes, hey, here's 4,000 square feet at the uh, south end of Hilton Head Island. And I said, no, that's wrong. I know it's wrong. I've looked at everything. It's 400. There's no way. They just made a typo. And um, I said, but, you know, just, honey, I'll go look at it. I did one of those things, you know, the good husband things. I'll go look at it. It's fine. Came down here and I went, you got to get down here. You were right. This is it. And uh, man, God has just been so faithful um, using this place to uh, really begin to reach our community um, with the love of Jesus Christ. And uh, I'm excited about the future. I'm excited about next week for you guys to get a, just a glimpse of the new place. And then on the 15th of July to have our first service in there, uh, it's going to be an exciting, an exciting uh, time. Now, just to reiterate what Cynthia already said, and I'll say it at the end just so you, you get the clear picture. Next week, 
we will not meet here. That was the original plan, and we've just scrapped that. We are going to have a, an open house at the new facility next Sunday, um, uh, July the 8th. And so, you know, we won't be meeting in the new place because we're not allowed to meet in the new place. But this is an open house for all of you who have invested time, money, and energy and effort to take a look and get a preview of our new facility there at Mile Marker 9. And uh, so we'll, we'll let you know a little bit more about that throughout the week via email and that sort of thing. All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, we are using this particular passage, Galatians 5, 22 through 23, as kind of our springboard for this summer series called The Sweet Life. And the Apostle Paul is speaking to the churches, it's a group of churches in a region called Galatia. And he's speaking to these churches, uh, a lot of smaller churches that he's speaking to, and he tells them and he gives them the fruit of of the Spirit. And before we dive in and take a look at this verse, I want us to pray together and ask for God's blessing on our time. Will you pray with me? Father God, thank you for this place. God, thank you for, um, this is your church. This was your building. It still is your building. And Father, we're thankful for that. And God, I'm thankful that your name was high and lifted up. In the four years that we met here, God, you were glorified. And God, I pray that we as a people would continue to give you all the honor and the glory for what you're doing in our midst, in us and among us. And God, I pray the prayer that we've been praying as a congregation for the last five years. And Father God, I pray in the strong name of Jesus that you would bring revival to Hilton Head Island. God, I pray for those who don't know you, the 25,000 plus who don't have a church home, some of which, many of which probably don't know you as their Savior. God, I pray for just a groundswell of a revival here on Hilton Head Island. And God, I pray that you would uh, provide, that your Holy Spirit would provide an awakening among those who call themselves Christ followers who live here. God, may they rise up and may you stir in their hearts a newness, a freshness, and it may it begin here on Hilton Head Island. And God, may you take that and spread it throughout our state and our region and our country. And God, today as we dive into this fourth fruit of the Spirit, I pray that you would change us from the inside out. God, I pray that you would go before us. God, that your Holy Spirit would lead us into truth and wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And God, I pray that we would be changed people as a result of reading and investigating your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Will you say it with me this morning, the whole thing? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so we've already talked about love, and we've talked about joy, and we've talked about peace. And today we come to the subject of patience. And uh, I've had a lot of you throughout the week that have said to me, I'm really glad that we're going to be discussing patience at church. And um, it makes me wonder why, but I think I understand why, because uh, this has been good for me. But I will tell you this, and I want to start out with this. The word that Paul uses for patience is just a little bit different than maybe what we think of it as uh, in our kind of day and age. 
Um, and, and it means a lot of different things. The word that he used means a lot of different things. One of the things that it means, it literally means to refrain from a form of punishment. That's a little bit different, isn't it, than what we think of. To refrain from a form of punishment. And so Paul was saying that the sweet life, as we're calling it, the fruit of the Spirit involves being lovely, being joyful, being peaceful, but being patient, a person who refrains from exacting or enacting a form of punishment or exercising a form of punishment. It's interesting, um, I've heard people say, never pray for patience. (laughs) Um, I've heard some of you say that to me, and I'm like, yeah, I I think you might be right about that because when you pray for something, God answers, right? And when he answers, when you pray for uh, patience in your life, he's going to give you a good healthy dose of life struggles so that you can be patient, so that you can practice being patient. And while I've heard that it's probably not a good thing to pray for patience, I believe the reason that the Apostle Paul mentions patience here and the reason that there's so much written in the New Testament and the Old Testament about patience is is that we as Christ followers need to be ready to be patient in the struggles of our lives. And how we respond when we're faced with difficult circumstances, how we respond is going to be a reflection of our walk with God. I mentioned it in week one that, you know, it's really interesting. You, you don't wake up one day and open up Galatians 5, you know, hey, it was in my devotions. It was on my U version yesterday, and I read Galatians 5. And so today, I think I'm going to be more lovely. And today, I think I'm going to be more patient and joyful and kind and good. It doesn't work that way, does it? It's a result of a continual journey with Christ that's ongoing. It's a result of you spending a lot of time in this word, in God's word, his letter to his people. It's a result of you spending a lot of time talking with him, just spending time talking with God and getting to know him. You don't wake up one day and just go, you know what, I think I'm going to do these fruit of the spirit. It doesn't work that way. The analogy I've used uh, these past few weeks is it's just like a farmer who wants to have a new type of crop that he wants to harvest. He doesn't wake up one day and go, I'm going to harvest strawberries just today because I like that. It takes time, and it takes energy, and it takes effort. And so what Paul is speaking of when he speaks of these fruit of the Spirit is a result, characteristics, if you will, of living the Christian life things that we are going to display, things that we're going to portray that God is like. That's why they're fruit of the Spirit of God. Are you with me this morning? It's a result of walking the Christian life. Patience is needed in so many areas, and we have to be prepared for those times to come. We need patience in different aspects of life. We need patience while we're waiting on something to happen, don't we? If you're a senior in high school and, you know, you've just graduated, uh, you're waiting, maybe not so patiently, for that letter to arrive, right? Some of you are like, Todd, it's July. The letter was supposed to arrive. Mine didn't. When I was a senior, that summer of uh, right before college, it arrived very late, let me tell you. And uh, I was being tested with patience. We have to be patient while we wait for the doctor to get back with us on a medical condition that we have. We have to be patient if you're a businessman or woman. We have to be patient when we send out all these proposals and we're waiting for them to come back in. We're waiting for that yes that really depends on how we live and 
everything is riding on those proposals. And so businessmen and women have to wait, and we have to be patient. If you have been a part of Hilton Head Island Community Church over the last couple years, you waited 14 months for us to negotiate a new lease in another building, and you waited another five months while we did the construction. We as a church have had to wait, haven't we? We've had to wait for that new building to be done. But you know, we also need patience with other people in our lives, don't we? We have to have patience when the kids get a little unruly, don't we? Parents, parents have to have patience with kids. Hey, you know what? Kids have to have patience with parents. I mean, it goes both ways, doesn't it? We have to be patient with each other. I think I saw a few elbows being thrown there, by the way. We have to be patient with our spouse, don't we? We have to be patient with our boss and with our employees. We have to be patient in our house. Brothers and sisters have to be patient with each other. They need to learn to be patient with the other. We, we need patience also when we're wronged and when we're mistreated. And that's going to be a large focus of today. The results of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives are when we're faced with conflict, when conflict comes up on us, and especially when it involves other people, that we are patient with that other person. That's the kind of patience that Paul is talking about in this particular passage. Now, I realize that there's one thing. It may be an obvious thing to many of you, and some of you might be like, man, I'm waiting for that other shoe to drop. This is what he's going to talk about, and it's this. Some of you are waiting on God to answer you. And we have to have patience while we're waiting on God, don't we? What I'm going to do, though, is I'm going to ask for your patience on that because we are going to wait a few more weeks before we talk about, about that when we talk about faithfulness. Faithfulness and patience go hand in hand. They just go right together. And so we're going to talk about waiting on God when we talk about faithfulness, that fruit of the Spirit, and it'll be in a few weeks. Today's message will largely be approached from the standpoint of us having patience with people around us. So let's jump in. Let's take a look at the notes that you were handed this morning when you walked in, and let's just start off with that key point. We've been speaking of the fruit of the Spirit, just like those smoothies. It would really be nice right about now. Just like those, fruit, uh, those smoothies behind me, um, they have uh, different ingredients in them. Paul suggests and, and challenges us to have different ingredients in our lives so that we're walking uh, according to the Spirit of God. And so a key ingredient in living the sweet life, as we've kind of discussed it, is demonstrating patience when we feel mistreated, disappointed, and without answers in our lives. A key ingredient of living the sweet life is demonstrating, and I want you to capture that word, demonstrating patience when we feel mistreated, disappointed, and without answers in our lives. You know, even those words demonstrating patience, is, it's even hard to say, isn't it? I mean, that's a very difficult thing to do, isn't it? I, I really hope I'm not the only one that thinks demonstrating patience is a hard thing to do. It, it doesn't come easy. It's not a part of our human nature. It's kind of counter-humanity or counterintuitive for us to be patient when it involves other people. I think that this is probably one of those fruit of the Spirit that we have to rely on the promises of God and we have to have faith in Him, maybe more than any of the others, to demonstrate patience to other people. Now, I want to give you the premise of today's message. And if you don't capture anything at all today, capture this. 
we as Christ followers, we as humans, cannot express and demonstrate patience to other people until and unless we understand what God has done for us. We cannot show patience with others. We can't show forgiveness, and that's another thing that's linked very closely to patience. We can't demonstrate patience to another person, whether it's our kids or our spouse or our boss or maybe even somebody else that we go to church with. We can't demonstrate patience to them until we understand all that God has done for us. And until we have that foundational truth really driven deep into our minds and our hearts and our lives, we cannot demonstrate patience to other people. It's kind of the first point there. For us to demonstrate patience in our lives, we must have a biblical understanding of God's relationship with us. And today, you're just going to have two points in today's message. Um, not because it's hot and I wanted to whittle it down to just two points, but because I want to make sure that we really drill down and really understand all that God has done for us and how then we can relate to other people as a result. Take a look at number one. Take a look at number one. When we feel mistreated, we must recognize that God is just and faithful. When we feel mistreated, we must recognize that God is just and faithful. What happens when we are mistreated? We want to seek out some sort of mistreatment on the person that's mistreated us, don't we? That's our natural inclination. That's the intuitive thing for us to do. But Peter tells us that Jesus, at the most painful moment of his life, didn't do that with those who were mistreating him. Take a look at 1 Peter 2.23. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Jesus, at his greatest point of pain, at his greatest point of human weakness, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Who is it who judges justly? It's Jesus' daddy, his father, God the Father. Jesus, at his point of greatest pain, entrusted himself to God the Father, who is the greatest judge. He didn't retaliate. He didn't fight it. He leaned in and entrusted himself that God knew what he was doing. And I want to start out with this verse. I want to begin with this as a foundational element in what we talk about today because I want you to hear this. God is not asking you to do something. That something in this case is to extend patience to another person. He's not asking you to do something that he hasn't already done himself. He's not asking you to do something in your strength that he hasn't already experienced. He experienced the greatest pain when he was being tortured and when he was being put on the cross. But he entrusted himself to God the Father. And in doing so, he was living in a way that recognized that God could intervene on, on his behalf. And so when you're thinking of this whole idea of patience and the fact that God is the one that gives us the fruit of the Spirit, realize that he himself 
went through some of the same types of things that you went through when he was being tortured. Paul explains in Romans that we shouldn't seek out revenge. When he says in Romans 12, he says this, Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Do not take revenge, my friends. Leave room for God's wrath. You know, when someone harms you, it's not wrong to stand up for yourself. It's not wrong to make your own case. But what Paul tells us here, we we don't want to be people who are constantly being run over by others who are out there seeking to harm us. But what Paul is saying is that when you're harmed, when you're taken advantage of, leave room for God to intervene. Don't do everything on your own accord. Don't do everything in your own strength and in your own power. Leave room for God to to intervene. We feel like we've got to correct every wrong in our lives, don't we? And we seek out a resolution to every single person who mistreats us. And when we do that, we don't leave room for God to intervene on our behalf. It's one of the things that we're promised as Christ followers. If you're a Christ follower in here, you're promised that God can and will intervene on your behalf. The apostle Stephen gives us a great example of this when he is literally in the midst of being stoned in Acts 7, 59 through 60. Listen to these words. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Verse 60 says, Then he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. He was praying for his accusers. And then the verse says, When he had said this, he fell asleep. And that means that at that point, he died. Stephen, in the midst of being stoned himself, himself, prayed for those who were stoning him and asked God to forgive them on behalf of me, God. I, I want you to forgive these ones who are stoning him. He prayed a prayer of blessing on the ones that were stoning him. I, I, don't, I don't even do that for my friends. And Stephen is doing it here in the midst of being stoned That's incredible, isn't it? He prayed for those who mistreated him. It's a great example of what we can do to demonstrate patience. And we're probably not going to be stoned in our lives. We certainly probably are not going to be stoned for our faith. But Stephen gives a great example of extending patience to those who were harming him. Peter spoke these words to those who suffered because of their faith. He said this in 1 Peter 4.19, So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. You may be in here today and you are being mistreated and the way that you respond is exactly what Paul said in Galatians 5. You respond with forgiveness and with patience and with gentleness and humility. We'll get to that in a moment. You respond exactly how God wants you to respond. My encouragement and Peter's encouragement to you is continue to do those good things. You know, we've studied a lot this year about Joseph. Joseph was a man in the Old Testament whose brothers sold him into slavery. And when he happened to come upon his brothers one day, after he had risen to the second position in all of Egypt, um, he uh, extended forgiveness to his brothers. 
But it's interesting, as you read the second half of Genesis, you kind of get the feeling that Joseph's brothers were still afraid of Joseph, even after he had extended forgiveness. Like, at some point in time, the other shoe's going to drop here. At some point in time, Joe, who we sold into slavery, he's coming after us. And you get that when their father, Isaac, dies. And now, all of a sudden, the brothers are fearful. Man, dad's gone. Now's Joseph's chance to get back at us. And they voice that. They voice that to Joseph at the end of Genesis. Take a look at how Joseph responds in Genesis 50, verse 20. You intended to harm me, he says to them. I bet they're shaking in their boots, in their sandals. They don't have boots. I bet they're shaking in their sandals at this point. Like, oh, you intended to harm me. What's going to happen next? But God, Joseph said, intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. I want you to hear this. Just like Joseph, you're going to have people in your life who are going to mistreat you. You might even have good people who are going to mistreat you. You might even have good people who are supposed to love you who are going to mistreat you. And living the sweet life of patience means that you, in return, extend patience and forgiveness to those who mistreat you. I realize it's counterculture. I realize that it is not according, it doesn't flow with what humans want to do when they're mistreated, but it's God's way, and it's a better way, isn't it? You know, if the United States is, uh, 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 if someone takes military action against the United States, our military filters its response through what's called a proportional response. What did they do to us? We're going to do that to them. And you know, as Americans, and if you live in a sovereign country like America, you, you like that security, you like that sovereignty to know that your government's going to act on behalf of those who war against you. But you know what? That may be good for nations, but that's not what God called for for individuals. He wants us to act with patience and with kindness and forgiveness. And so my question this morning is, do I struggle with allowing God to intervene on my behalf? Do you circumvent his intervention in your life when you're mistreated? Do you short-circuit one of those greatest things that you have as a Christ follower, and that is, is he's going to work on your behalf? Do you try to do everything all by yourself to seek retribution and to seek revenge? You know, it's not just when we've been mistreated that we have the opportunity to exercise patience, but it's also when we're disappointed with ourselves and with others, and it's my second point this morning. When we're disappointed with ourselves and others, we must recognize God's patience with us. We must recognize God's patience with us. Um, Cynthia and I have an eight-year-old, Sydney, and uh, a little boy who's five, year old, five years old, and in our house from the time that um, we could talk to them and sing and they started acting out against each other or us, um, we have a little song we sing in our house. Now, I'm going to spare you the pain of me singing it, but I'm going to tell you the words and some of you will recognize this. In fact, I had someone tell me after the service they still sing it to their adult children. Okay, so this is just great. It goes like this. When, I, when we can see the struggle and we can see that there's a lack of patience, have patience, have patience, don't be in such a... Hurry. Okay, yeah, some of you are singing it. Okay, when you get impatient, you only start to worry. Remember, remember, 
that God is patient too. Just think of all the times when others have had to wait for you. And my favorite line in that song, which my kids think is terribly annoying, by the way, my favorite line of that song is, remember, remember that God is patient too. You can't extend patience to someone else until you understand what he has done for you by extending grace and forgiveness and eternal life to those of you who have accepted Christ as your Savior. If he did that for us, then we, and when we understand all that he's done for us, then we can extend patience to others. Then we can reach out and we can extend patience and forgiveness to others. The Apostle Paul, I think he came up with that song because in Colossians 3, verse 13, he says this, and I love this. This is from the New Living Translation, which I don't often use, but I love the way it was said. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must, what? Forgive others. That's patience. That's patience. That's having patience. That word allowance there, make allowance. Have patience for each other's faults. God made an allowance for you. He did it for me by sending Jesus to die for my sins so I can spend eternal life with him. With all my faults and with all my failures, his arms were open wide to me and they're open wide to you. And it's only when we truly understand that relationship that we can forgive others and forgive ourselves. We have trouble sometimes extending patience even to ourselves, don't we? We have trouble sometimes getting over maybe what we've done or who we are. Don't think about this too hard, but I, I, have, I have trouble being patient with myself for not being more patient. Um, so don't think about that too hard. It'll make your brain hurt. But Phillips Brooks is a New England preacher, was a New England preacher years ago, and he was noted for his poise and his quiet manner, but sometimes he even suffered moments of frustration and being irritable. One day a friend saw him feverishly pacing around the floor like a caged lion. What's the trouble, Mr. Brooks? He asked the friend, and Mr. Brooks responded by saying, the trouble is, is that I'm in a hurry, but God isn't. <laughs> We've all felt that way before, haven't we? I'm in a hurry, but God doesn't seem to be in a hurry. We get frustrated and we, we get impatient even with ourselves, don't we? And until we understand what God has done for us, we can't extend forgiveness and patience to even ourselves. There's a formula for patience, and I think Paul aptly describes it in Ephesians 4, 2 through 3. I want you to capture this. Because some of you are probably at this point in time asking how. That's great, Todd, that I need to do this, but how? How do I extend patience, extend patience to others in my life? Paul says it here. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowance, there's that word again in the New Living Translation, for each other's faults because of what? Your love. Because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourself united in the Spirit Binding yourself together with peace. Here's the formula. Recognizing what God has done for you plus humility plus gentleness equals patience. 
when we understand what God has done for us. And for some of you, maybe that's what today is all about. Maybe that's what it's about. But when we understand that, and then when we operate with humility, when we operate with gentleness, then we can extend patience to other people in our lives. And here's the key. Just like God accepted us with all of our faults and all of our failures and all of our hang-ups, we have to walk in that same spirit, don't we, as Christ followers? We have to be willing to extend patience even when we know that it might not go anywhere. Even when we know that extending patience to that one who's trying us, who's testing us, it might be taken for granted. We have to extend patience just like God did for us through Jesus. So our question this morning is this. Have I become callous to the gift of forgiveness that God has shown me through giving me salvation and a home with him in heaven? Have I become callous to the gift of forgiveness that God has shown me through the giving me salvation and having a home with him in heaven? You can't be patient if you take for granted what God did for you on the cross. You can't, take, you can't be patient if you take for granted the fact that God was willing to give up his son for your salvation. And it's only then that we can extend patience and forgiveness to those around us. There was a man, actually a group of men, four men, and their families who understood patience to a level that I don't think we'll ever be able to understand. This man's name was Jim Elliott. You probably have heard a little bit of his story, but from the time that Jim Elliott was a, a boy and he asked Jesus to be his Savior, he wanted, and he expressed this to his parents, he wanted to lead people to Jesus Christ who had previously never heard of Jesus Christ before in their lives. He went to Wheaton College, and during Wheaton College, he started to feel God's call on his life to minister to tribal groups in Central America, people who had never heard the utterance of Jesus Christ. Well, on February 21st, 1952, he arrived in Ecuador to begin a long-term ministry to the Wadani Indians, a little-known tribal group in the jungle of Ecuador. He and his four missionary friends and their families had several successful attempts to make contact with the Wadani, but it took many years and much patience and a trying time to actually interact with them. Well, one day, Elliot and the four men who traveled with him, they traveled by plane to visit with the Wadanis. They knew what might befall them living there in Ecuador. They realized that people had gone before them who had lost their lives trying to reach out to tribal groups like the Wadani Indians. And that day, they were met by 10 Wadani warriors who killed all four men. In their quest to reach an unknown group with the gospel of Jesus Christ, they operated with patience, with the understanding that their faith was in Jesus Christ. And whatever may come, they were going to extend patience and forgiveness in the face of possibly even taking, having their own lives taken. They were going to extend patience and forgiveness to the Wadani people. In the years preceding his death, Jim Elliott had written this famous quote, and they discovered it a few months after his death. It was this. He wrote it in his journal several times. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot 
lose. He was willing to give up his life to see the gospel of Jesus spread. Now, when we extend patience to our kids and to our family members and to those people we work with, our bosses, our coworkers, our fellow students, we're probably not going to lose our lives like Jim Elliott did. But you know what? We ought to have that in mind. We ought to have in mind the fact that God extended us so much patience that he sent Jesus to the cross to die for our sins. If you're a Christ follower in here this morning, demonstrating patience means living in the spirit of what God did for us. It means walking in the way in which he loved us. And living the sweet life of patience means extending that patience to other people, even when you've been harmed, even when you've been mistreated, and even in the face of knowing that you're going to be mistreated again. Father God, help us as people to truly understand what you did on the cross for us. Help us to be people who understand all that you did and the patience that you extended to us and the forgiveness that you extended to us by giving up your one and only Son. And Father, I pray for those who are in here today who have really maybe never given consideration to becoming a Christ follower. And maybe after hearing all that you did through your son's death, burial, and resurrection, they want to say yes to you. I pray in the strong name of Jesus that you would give them the courage to say yes. If you're in here and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, even if you've been in church for every Sunday of your life, but you've never made that decision, why not make it today? God sent Jesus, his son, to die for you. And he wants to accept you with all of your faults and with all of your failures. And so if you want to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior right here today, on July 1st, July 1st 2012, I'm going to pray a prayer that you can pray silently in your heart. And it goes like this. Father God, thank you for being patient with me. Thank you for loving me so much that you sent your son to die for me. Today, I confess of my sins and I ask you, Jesus, to be my savior. If you prayed that short prayer with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm just gonna ask you to raise your hand. I'm not gonna embarrass you or call you up or anything. I just wanna pray for you. You raise, if you prayed that prayer, just raise your hand. Just simply raise your hand. Anyone in here pray that prayer this morning? And Father God, I pray for those Christ followers who are in here and today extending patience brought to memory a face and an event. Father God, I pray that you would help them to be able to extend forgiveness that they would truly understand and believe the promises that you made when you died for them. Help them to completely understand the forgiveness that you gave and that you extended. Soften our hearts to understand the faith that we can have in you so that we can then extend patience to those around us.